Thank you for that song. It's amazing. I appreciate, I always try to be nice to the nursery workers and the sound booth people. They can both, both make you look really bad. The nursery workers let the monsters out and, you know, you gotta. But, um, yeah, I called and um, would it shock you? The lady says, well, Mr. King, if, uh, if it's our fault that you lost your luggage, um, when was the last time you physically saw your bag? I said, when I handed it to your gate agent was the last time I physically saw my bag. You scanned it. I found it on the web. If your phone goes off, you got to buy the pastor pizza. And I know it's the pastor. But um, so then she says, well, let me check. It says it made it from Milwaukee to LaGuardia. Why, your bag is in LaGuardia. I said, look, if my bag is lost in New York, I will never see it again. I said, I don't, oh, I don't think you should stereotype them. I said, look, I'm not. I'm typecasting. That's what they do. And uh, she says, well, if it's any comfort, you can go buy clothes and Delta will reimburse you. And I said, well, okay. A very nice man bought me two $800 suits that are in there. Will Delta buy me two? Well, no, I'm talking underwear and T-shirts. <laughs> I said, look, I can go without underwear. <laughs> so... Dealing with them is like pushing a rope uphill, and I'm telling you, it's a... Uh, but anyway, so they have three more flights coming by 1.30 tomorrow. We should know. And I told Brother Dave, I'm just planning to go to a men's store tomorrow, and I'm not going to wear this every single day for three days. So we're going to buy something. And then I told my wife, I mean, fortunately, I have more dress shoes and I have more polo shirts and I have more dress shirts and I have more suits. And I said, look, just start packing a suitcase to mail down to Montgomery, Alabama, where I'm going to be for a seven-day conference and then Fort Walton Beach and then over to Ohio. I've got, I'm out for a month here. I cannot just wear the same thing every day. And so... Uh, but it's all all good, all fun. I, you know, when you're a pastor and you've wept beside a family that just found out their loved one has terminal cancer, or a stillborn baby that you just helped carry a little white casket and lower it by a rope down into the bottom of a very cold-looking hole, and stuff like this, really. <laughs> But that don't matter, really. I, I tease about it. I laugh about it. And my wife says, see, Randy, one day without my supervision, you already lost your suitcase. And so, but we laugh about it because there are things that are important. And this isn't one of them. You know, life goes on. And, but 
In your Bible, in Luke chapter 1, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 4, where our text will be. And thank you for your faithfulness. I, I promise to uh, try to make it worth your while when you come here. In the Bible, Luke was writing the Gospel of Luke. And he says, since many have taken in hand to write the things that have done, I too have decided to write the first couple of verses. And he makes this statement, the things most surely believed among us. And one of the things that I always, always have in mind, when I pastored, I would have guest speakers in several times a year. And some guys have a penchant for, I've got to come up with something new, something novel, something nobody ever heard of. I've got to come up with a doctrine or a thought that nobody's ever thought of. But the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And oftentimes that comes from people who are just trying to impress you that they saw, thought of something that even God never heard of. They say one of the greatest proofs that this Bible is inspired divinely by God is because of all the preaching it has endured. The guy says... What the Bible's saying here is, and the text is screaming out, I did not say that! You can't make me say that! You're all wrong there! I'm not saying that! Context, context, context. Now, I get a blessing devotionally. Some guy will preach a Bible truth, but the passage he used had nothing to do with it. The truth he preached is still the truth. But boy, I'll tell you what, uh, the Bible talks about those that rest the scriptures to their own destruction. I, I'm not like that. To me, if I can come and certify what that pastor has been preaching week in and week out, he breaks the bread of life, he feeds the flock of God, he's serving his people. If I can come along and be just a confirming voice and say, hey, your pastor is actually not a screwball. That I've, I've accomplished my purpose. Some guys impressed everybody and some guys actually helped our people. And so when Luke says, I want to set forth those things most surely believed among us. It's kind of, a long time ago got over the idea of Wow, I never heard it like this before. If it's new, it's probably wrong. We're here just to galvanize the convictions of what the people of God have been taught. I always say to people, if I'm successful in my time at that church, the people will have more appreciation for their pastor when I left than before I came. If nothing else, just because... They want to get back to some decent preaching. I don't know, but tonight is one of those where I want to read a text, and we call them springboard texts. What this means is 
We're going to read a text and we're never coming back. When you dive off a diving board, you're never coming back. It's a singular thought. And it's a little bit like looking at a diamond from this side and this side and this side and this side. And it glitters, but it's all the same diamond. You understand what I'm saying? Well, here for this group, disco balls. <laughs> okay, I was kidding about that. But the truth tonight, I just want to say, the lost are really lost. I know, I know, and on purpose, it is just that simple. But what I'm seeing in our culture today in the churches is a drifting. You might be surprised how many people have one of our sons or daughters raised in our churches and their son or their daughter is dating a lost Presbyterian and mom and dad are okay with it. He's a nice guy. How many of them have begun to go, hey, they graduated, they're in college, they come back, and they don't come back to our churches. They go to some make warm noises church, and the parents say, well, you know, I mean, as long as they're in church. And somewhere between independent, conservative, fundamental Baptists and pure apostasy, what's happening is people are getting squishy about who's really saved. Yep. Well, they profess, they profess to, they're sincere, they're good people, they're hardworking, they're, and I want to just take a step back and say, look, if we believe what we believe... The lost are really lost. And we dare not begin to drift on this essential truth. And so read with me the first few verses. You can stand quietly, please, and we'll just read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul, writing to the church of Corinth, therefore seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. You see, there's a certain, if right is right, then that's wrong. I renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Do you notice what it's saying? It's not me smart, you dumb. Me brave, you weak. Me perfect and you wicked. But there is a premium on right and wrong here. There is a, hey, not commending ourselves but not handling the word of God, not being crafty, but commending ourselves, you know we're as sincere, as genuine as you can be. And then notice with that platform, 
what they launch into. But if our gospel be hid, verse 3, it is hid to them that are, what's that next word? Lost. Lost. Now watch carefully. In whom the God of this world hath, what's the next word? Blinded. Blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 5 together. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. You understand? The lost are really lost. That's not an occasion for boast or pride. That is, we've got to get this down deep in our craw. They're really, really desperately lost. And if you have one ounce of the milk of human kindness, you want to do your very best to get them out of that lost condition. It's not, it's not in any way being condescending. It's, look, they're in desperate, desperate need of faith in Christ alone. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Bless our time in the scriptures, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So let's talk about this for a few minutes. The lost are really lost. If we're going to say there are three major religions. Christianity, we'll talk about that last. And the Muslims and the Buddhists slash Hindu. I'm just going to put them in the same bag, okay? Um... There are subtle differences, and I know there's the Rastafarians, and, but by and large, there's three major world religions. Buddhism and its offshoots, Christianity and its offshoots, offshoots, and the Muslim religion, and of course, they've got several slices off of that as well. Now, let's think about this. Are Muslims, and I'm painting with a broad brush on purpose, are Muslims Christians? <laughs> are they saved in the Bible phraseology? No, no, they're not. Muslims, I'm gonna, let me make a disclaimer here, okay? I believe there are people who are genuinely saved who came out of all of these different backgrounds. I believe a Muslim can be saved. <clears throat> I believe a Roman Catholic can be saved. A Jehovah Witness can be saved. A Mormon can be saved. A Catholic priest can be saved. And a Hindu can be saved. And a Muslim can be saved. And... Um, Buddhists can be saved, but they cannot be saved believing what their church teaches. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not saying they're all going to hell. Look, everybody starts from the background they were born and raised in. That's, if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that Satan, hath blinded the minds. They can be saved, but not by believing what their religion teaches. You understand? I think that's a 
Very, very important distinction. So the Muslims, hey, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. Let's start with that. We believe as Christians that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and that he came through the lineage that is described in Matthew and Luke, that he is the offspring, the root of David, that he is the only begotten Son of God and from the Virgin Mary, and we believe he's God's divine Savior. The Muslims teach and believe that Esau and his bloodlines are the chosen race, the proper heirs to the, to the promised land. They believe that Muhammad is a descendant from Esau's line. And they believe that Salvation, forgiveness, reconciliation to God is possible through faith in Muhammad. No, I'm not making this up. They would tell you the same thing. If they were standing here, they would tell you the same thing. But I'm saying as Christians, we need to understand there is a fundamental difference in what we believe and what they believe. They believe Jesus Christ was a good man and a prophet from God, just like Moses and Abraham were good men and from God. But they believe forgiveness and salvation is through faith in Muhammad. Now, read your history. Muhammad was having sex with 10-year-old girls, 12-year-old girls, 14-year-old girls. There's a marked difference between what the Muslims permit. There's no... You don't wonder how in that religion they can beat women and subjugate women and marry little girls. I mean, look, I'm not making this up, folks. They don't believe what we believe. Now, if they're right, then we're wrong. This Bible is wrong. If the Koran has the same divine inspiration, if it's a sacred writing, if it's something inspired by God, then that Bible is not. They are mutually exclusive. It cannot be through the line of Esau and through the line of Jacob. It can't, can't happen. When Christians, and, and I'm going to say, you look at the bumper sticker and it's got the half moon, and it's got the sickle, and it's got the, and it says, coexist. Coexist. Nobody, I, look, I've been to Muslim countries. I've been to India. I've been with, hey, there, no Muslim has that bumper sticker on. No Muslim believes we're all supposed to get along. All religions have value. Everybody believes the same thing. We're all going to the same heaven. We all worship the same. They don't believe that. Only foolish, ignorant, stupid, professed Christians put those bumper stickers on. If you look very carefully in small print at the bottom of that coexist, it says, this driver of this car is an idiot. <laughs> That's what it says in small print. 
No, no Buddhist believes that we all have the same religion. No Hindu thinks, oh yeah, we're all basically the same. Only foolish Christians. Only uninformed people. You don't know your history. You don't know world religions. You don't know how we got to where we are. Think about this. There was a day that every human on this planet knew God Almighty, Adam and Eve. We did not come out of the jungles, an orangutan with a shorter tail saying, what must I do to be saved? We came as a direct creation of God Almighty, and man failed, and God judged him, and now we're off to the races. And then, the age of conscience, and all the way through, till you get to Noah, and it grieved man, our God, that he had made man on the earth, and Noah and his sons and their wives, he starts eight souls saved by water. We start over with everybody on the planet knowing God. Everybody. There's no Buddhists. There's no Muslims. There's no Mormons. There's no Baptists. Eight people. They know God. By the time you get a chapter or two in, hey, they're... Noah's getting drunk and he's looking on the shame of the nakedness son is and we're back into the soup and you get to nine, chapter 9 and we're building the Tower of Babel and God says, it's enough of that. Boom, 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 boom. He slaps it down and confuses the tongues and the earth is overspread. Hear me. We went from everybody knowing God to where they're out in the weeds. The Bible says they seek unto wizards that mutter and peep. Hey, when you turn your back on God, we got in that condition because generations ago turned their back on God. Then Christ comes, the gospels preached to the known world. There's darkness over the face of the earth for the hours while Christ is on the cross. Gospel spread around the world, but now we have this mess. Why? Because mankind has turned his back on God. They worship and serve the creature more than the creator who's blessed forever. We got here because mankind is intoxicated with religion, but he can't stand the thought that he's going to give account to a holy God and that that Bible's actually true, and there are moral absolutes. And when the Bible says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God, they, they, can't, they can't countenance that. Oh no, oh no. So we're going to invent religions. We're going to find ways to salve our religious conscience without trembling at that word. And you say, well, I mean, they can't help it. Hey, hey, the Bible says, if thou seek him, he'll be found of thee. If thou forsake him, he'll cast thee off forever. God knows the heart of who's actually seeking to know him. The Buddhists, the, uh, let me finish just with saying with the Muslims, 
Don't question sincerity. There are many very devoted Muslims, very sincere Muslims. If sincerity was the measure of truth, they might have it. They're devoted. They will do whatever it takes. They'll, and I mean, hey, you're there. You watch them. I mean, I sat there and watched them. Take, take a, a lamb and slit its throat and let the blood splash all over them. And they go around. And they scream and shout and they celebrate. And, and you go, wow. This is just unbelievable what these people are doing. Oh, don't question sincerity. They'll fly airplanes into towers if they think it's going to advance. But their stated purpose is we're going to convert the world to the worship of Muhammad. They're after you. They're after your sons. They're after your daughters. This whole uh, group of Karen, whatever, here in America is the... American-Arab relations, their stated purpose is to make the Muslim religion palatable to the American mind. And so they are absolutely, hey, we're reasonable, we're nice, until they get to be the majority. And then they put in Sharia law. Then they say, you got to do what we do. It's amazing to me that Muslim women have to walk behind their husbands except for one circumstance. And I've seen it with my own eyes. If it's a minefield from one of the war-torn areas, they make their wives walk in front of them. That's a God-honest truth. It's a God-honest truth. You say, oh, wow. They still believe they own those women. Listen there is a marked difference between the Muslim religion and what we believe. Then the Hindus and the Buddhists. I know most of you have no acquaintance with them, no experience with them, but they don't believe like we do. They don't believe the Bible's true. They, they believe in a, in a cosmos. They don't believe there's just one God. At least the, the Muslims think there's one God, not, not the Buddhists, not the Hindus. They have multitude of gods. It's a cross between witchcraft and animism. It's, hey, look, we have a god. He might be a rat. He might be, they believe in reincarnation. They believe that God is a divine spirit and we're all part of God and God's a part of us. This is not a function of intellect. I watched Guys who are educated, Mujibar, who takes your technical support question over there in an eight-story building in Bangalore, India, who's got a degree from Harvard, wearing a suit and tie, comes out of that building, goes home, changes clothes, goes downstairs and gets a God that he carved, that he painted, and brings it up and sets it on the terrace in front of his house and kneels down 
and prays to it and then sits there cross-legged with a bowl and he's praying to it. And people that are walking past all put money in the little bowl and he's, he's showing obeisance to his God. Listen to me. They do not believe like you and I believe. We say holy cow. You know why we say holy cow? Because cows are sacred there. It's kind of a weird combination. The Muslims want nothing to do with pigs. But the Hindus and the Buddhists and all the you know, slant-eyed Chinese food, they love pork <laughs> stuff. The Muslims won't eat the pork, but the Buddhists won't eat the beef because the cow is sacred. You go to a country where the, the prime minister of India today graduated from Harvard, educated, educated, but he stands once a month behind a cow and waits for her to urinate and catches the urine in his hands and puts it in his hair and all over his face once a month. No, when, when Christians say, well, we all basically believe the same thing. No, we don't. That's a damnable lie. It's not a function of intellect. He's probably 10 times smarter than anybody in this room. But the God of this world has blinded the minds. You know why they do that? Because in their religion, they teach that all these gods, there's the lice god, and there's the mouse god, and there's, and hey, if you live a good life, when you die, you come back as a higher life form. I used to be a worm, and then I was a rat, and then I got to be a goat, and now I'm a human, and maybe if I play my cards right, I get to be something even better than this. If I'm bad, I might have to go back to being a spider. I'm not making that up, people. They believe that. They teach that. There's a day that this big, bad, evil God was coming out to destroy all the gods of the Buddhist and the Hindu faith. And they were all running scared. And the bad God was coming to get them. And the cow said, hey, why don't you hide inside of me? And the bad God will never find you. And they all went inside the cow. And the bad God was looking and looking and looking and couldn't find him. And so he went away and all the gods came out again. Hey, they believe this. I'm not making this up. Go read what they believe. So because the cow did that, we're all, all Buddhists, all, all Hindu are indebted to the cow for saving their God. And so therefore, the cow is sacred. Now look, you go to India, you go any place, the cows are running the streets. If you, if, 
you dasn't touch a cow or hurt a cow. I mean, I wake up in the morning in my motel room and there's eight cows sleeping on the lawn. I say, well, who's, whose cows are there? Well, they're nobody's. They're, they're everybody's. I mean, they're cows. They, we dasn't touch them or hurt them. It's fine till you go to the grocery store and the door is open. It's 90 degrees. The cow walks in and finds its way back to the vegetable in the grocery section and it's sitting there eating carrots and lettuce drool running down their face down and then on the other end they void their bladder in the grocery store they poop in the grocery store nobody nobody chases them out nobody's shocked nobody dares hey they're a cow they're a cow I mean God I mean hey we owe everything to that cow Nobody thinks twice about it. I'm there. The missionary is driving down the road. It's a six-lane highway both directions, semis and cars, but bicycles, donkey carts, and we're going in the average speed maybe 20, 30 miles an hour. And this car, minding his own business, driving, a cow steps out into the road. This happens right in front of us. The guy jams on his brakes, slides to a stop, but his bumper runs into the legs of this cow. Now hear me. All the traffic, six lanes that way, six lanes this way, come to a halt. The people start screaming and yelling at the guy. The people on the sidewalk, the people in the stores come flooding out. They start beating on the guy's car, the hood, the trunk. They smash out the windows. They haul him out of the car and they beat him unconscious. Right there in front of us. He bumped into a cow. They didn't call the police. They didn't call the insurance. They didn't ask anybody to vote on nothing. How dare he run into that cow? I mean, I'm sitting there going, if they knew the number of cows that I shot in the head with my 22. <laughs> Hear me. Don't kid yourself. These people do not believe what we believe. The God of this world has blinded their minds. They got Ganesh, the six-armed elephant. How many of you have seen Ganesh, right? Or you see the big Buddha with the big belly. Listen to me. It's pagan from head to toe. You go in a store, they're selling all these Ganeshas, and here's the elephant, the ugliest creature you could ever imagine, right straight out of a horror magazine. And yet these people will go in the store. They're selling them in the hardware store. They're selling them in the grocery store. They're selling them in the dry goods store. They're everywhere. Well, I say to the missionary's kid, look, uh, I'm going to go home. I'd like to go down to a, a women's store and buy my wife a dress so she can have a dress from India. I go to the store, and out front of the woman's dress shop is a mannequin with 
auburn red hair, looked like Cheryl Teague's, just a nice shapely mannequin, and this this me, uh, green, mint green dress down to the ankles, beautiful, elegant looking dress, and she's out there. And so I just got down on my knees and bowed in front of it like that. The missionary kid said, what are you doing, Brother King? He said, well, if I'm going to worship something man-made, it's going to look a lot like this. It ain't going to look like that elephant thing. I, I'm, I, want, I mean, I'm going with this. You, you can't do that. They're going to they're gonna be offended. I said, I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm sick and tired of walking down the street and the people see an elephant and they stop and I run into them so they can say a prayer to that thing. But it's, it's not an occasion for criticism or mockery. Don't misunderstand. They're blind. They're blinded by the God of this world. But what troubles me is the Christians who say, well, you know, I mean, they're sincere. Surely God, I mean, it was sincere like that. Listen, they can be sincerely wrong. You have to come to grips with this fact. If what you believe is true, then what they believe is not. They're not, they're not kind of alike. Absolutely not. The Indian sweat lodge, the Rastafarians, you could go into all kinds of things, but it's not Christianity. Let's talk about professed Christianity. If we said here's the whole spectrum, the largest group is the Roman Catholics, the next is the Baptists, the, the rosary that the Catholics do, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Baptists are in second place. Hear me. It's a sacramental religion by their own by their own statement of faith. They believe salvation you get by the installment plan like you if you bought a car. You go today and get the tires, you go tomorrow and get the body, then you go and get the windshield and then you go and get the engine. Hey, the seven sacraments. You get infant baptism, then you get your communion, you take confession, you get married in the church, ultimately you go and confess your sins, you do penances, and then ultimately you get last rites. And if you play your cards right, then God might let you into heaven. Their last pope that died, the Catholic Church declared a day of fasting and prayer to ask God to accept their pope into heaven. Now, if you don't know your pope is going, there might be Catholics that are saved, but not trusting what that church teaches. Praying to the saints, lighting candles, doing indulgences, all of the things that worship of Mary, she's the one who intercedes for us, there might be saved Catholics, but not believing what they teach. Now listen, I'm like you. I, I want people to go to heaven. I, my pendulum goes back and forth. Surely, surely, Mother Mary, there was a nun, 92, 
in our hospital. We have a Catholic hospital. She never married. She devoted her life to serve the church. She wanted to comfort the bereaved. And her whole life, every single day, she walks the halls of that hospital. And anybody who has a terminal illness, anybody who's just given bad news, anybody who's discouraged or alone, anybody who's afraid, she goes in and sits in a chair and Hail Mary, full of grace, our Father which art in heaven. She'll make trip after trip around those beads. Sincere, loving, devoted, unselfish, sacrificial, her whole life. If devotion was a measure of truth, she's got it. And every inch of me, I mean, I saw her hundreds of times as I visited the hospital. The sweetest lady. When I'd walk in, she'd say, Pastor King, uh, they already have clergy. They don't need me. I'll be praying for this person's outcome. The sweetest human on the planet. Every inch of me wants to say, Mother Mary, that dear sweet saint, that godly, humble lady, that most dedicated, unselfish, she lived on beans and marbles her whole life. Hear me? But if she's trusting what the church taught, she's not saved. Uh, you say, well, but she's awfully nice. I know. I know nice people. But the lost are really lost. They're trusting a false hope. It's not just the Catholics. Let's go with all of those who came out of the Reformation. 15s and 1600s, Martin Luther. I've been to the, the door where he put his thesis on the Wittenberg door and said, hey, it's not through all of the indulgences. It's not through, it's only through Christ. Martin Luther made a declaration and kind of came out of the Catholic Church. I was there at the Diet of Worms where they had the council to decide what they're going to do. I mean, I wasn't there when it happened, but I've... I've <laughs> Brother Corey might have been there, but I'm not, I'm not that old. But hear me, hear me. Martin Luther got 80% right, but he still believed in infant baptism. Read your Lutheran catechism. I don't care. I'm not making it up. We have Lutherans. Our church, our town is 80% Roman Catholic and Lutheran. Nice people, friendly people, pay their bills people, run a good dry cleaner people. Not criticizing their lifestyle in general. But Luther's catechism. What good is there in infant baptism much in every way it delivers from death and the devil it gives life and forgiveness of sins and salvation they say they repeat in the luther's catechism and everybody's confirmation vows they say it gets eternal life 
Forgiveness of sins puts you in the family of God. That's what it says. That's what they recite. When they take their confirmation vows, that's what they say out loud they believe. And it doesn't shock you when you go to a Lutheran funeral and the pastor stands up and says, we're so glad that Henry's in heaven because he was baptized as a baby and took his confirmation vows. Listen to me. They might be saved, but not by believing what their church taught. Presbyterians, Methodists, Episcopalians, they... Reformation churches came out of Rome. Hey, we're going to be the Church of England, the Anglicans, Episcopalians. Hey, we don't have a pope. But they kept, we're going to let our, our ministers marry, but they kept infant baptism, every one of them. And you say, I was witnessing to my aunt, and she asked her if she's going to heaven. She says, well, I was baptized in the church. Why do they say that? Because that's what they've been taught since the day they were born. We got sponsors. That's my godmother. They promised to raise me up. I, when I took my confirmation vows, when I went through catechism, I stood then at 14 years old and I repeated it with the rest of the class. And now I'm eligible for my first communion and I got a white dress. Or I got, and hey, I... I mean, I'm, I'm a communicant member. I can take communion at my church. Read what they say. The Lutherans at confession. The pastor stands up and say, at communion. The pastor says, in the name of Christ, I forgive you your sins. Every Lutheran church, every month when they take communion. No, they don't believe like us. No, they're not saying, well, Brother King, they're the friendliest people. They're the, my, I mean, he gave my son a job. Listen, I'm not saying they're not nice people. I live around nice people. But you have to come to grips with lost people are really lost. You know why I'm so exercised about this? Because I see churches getting squishy on it. And people in the pew kind of fondly hoping. And then it's all the movement today. The Super Bowl ad just a couple weeks ago, Jesus gets us. Now listen to me. That's LGBTQ. They're portraying God as understanding and accepting whatever they do. There's no mention of repentance. There's no re mention of faith only in Christ. It's Jesus gets us. He understands us. Yes, it's true. We have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but is in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Yes, that's absolutely true. He gets us in that he knows, but he didn't come to say, I just accept you. He said, you need to repent of that. That's wrong. You're trusting the wrong thing. He's the same Jesus, merciful, meek, and mild, that turned over the money changer's table in the temple. 
It's the same Jesus. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You're of your father, the devil, and the works of your father you will do. That's that same Jesus. I'm so, so passionate that our kids need to know we're not, we're not obstinate, we're not harmful, we're not mean-spirited, but boy, what we believe is according to the scriptures. And we're the voice of Jesus Christ into this culture, into our generation, into the people around us. Why will you die, O Israel? The weeping of Jesus Christ. We don't want you to die and go to hell trusting the wrong thing. I did prison ministry. We had the Indian sweat lodge, the Buddhist services, the Muslim. We had a chaplain in the prison system by us where the woman was a witch and she had Wiccan services. And because our state wanted to show how open-minded they were, they have a woman witch. That's what she called herself. As one of the chaplains to counsel people. Now hear me. The devil is not pulling any punches in our day and age. They have lesbians going to the public school and reading gay and lesbian books to kindergartners. In our schools in Wisconsin, today, a child in third grade can come and say, I know my name is Henry, but I want to be called Henrietta, and I want to be a girl. And every teacher in our school system has to call him Henrietta. And they have 15 minutes in the morning where they can change clothes and dress the way they want to and go to class. And everybody has to call them what they want to be called. And then, then there's a hellish covenant of silence that they're forbidden to tell the parents about it when they have parent-teacher meetings. Well, that's, that's just the average part. That's just what's going on everywhere. In Madison, Madison, now the kids can identify as furries. Furries. I'm not a boy or a girl. I'm a furry. Now, a furry means they're either a dog or a cat. And they want to be called a dog or a cat. And they dress like a dog or a cat. You'd say, well, that's gone to a fear. Oh, no, no, no. Go to any airport today and you see these, these cubicles where women who are nursing mothers can go in and have privacy to, to nurse. Our school system in Wisconsin today has cubicles like that that are sandboxes. And the furries go in there to go potty. And they scratch holes in the sand. And they pee and poop in the sand. In our schools. And the kid says, yeah, I'm, I'm a cat or I'm a dog. I'm only saying to you folks, wake up. Wake up. We've got to stand up. We have got to say, hey, the truth I don't care. I, I, look, this culture is dying for somebody who will stand up for something. Yeah. 
all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. School district in Wisconsin has all these gay and lesbian books. The things that they are promoting would make any of you blush. It's so embarrassing, it's so filthy. When one of the Christian parents took some of the books out of the library and went to the school district board meeting and read out loud to the school board, this is what is in our library. They arrested her for saying those words in public. They arrested her. But the teacher can say it to the student. Hear me, hear me. I'm so... uh, Look, I'm a happy person. But it's time. What did Vance Havner say? The conditions are serious, but the church isn't. We're in big trouble out here, folks. They're winning the war. They're promoting not just evolution, not just this counterculture stuff, not just, but they're saying, hey, the Christians, you know what their term for us is? Christofascists. We gotta protect our children from the Christofascists. That's their term for a Bible-believing Christian. You're a fascist. You're a Christofascist. Listen to me. They're not being bashful about what they believe. They're after us. It's not in the closet. It's not insidious. It's out there. And I'm just saying, the church has got to get serious here. The lost are really lost. The solution is not going to be found on the school board. That's important. But the solution is going to be, ye are the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its savor, it's then for good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. And I watch Christianity being trodden underfoot. And I go, don't you get it? We've got to reach this world with the message of the forgiveness of Christ or we're going to be doomed. Our children, our grandchildren are not going to live in a country like I was raised in or you were raised in. And I'm just challenging you tonight. Listen, I'm not bashful about this. We've got to get back to reaching the world with the gospel. Your coworker, your neighbor, your loved one, your relative. I'm going to say this, your grandson. You might be surprised how many of our offspring are outside of Christ, away from God, and embracing the poison the world is spooning out every single day. And I'm just pleading Let's get back to believing the Bible ourselves, standing for right, and loving people with a message of forgiveness. I'm not talking about, oh, you're stupid. Nope, nope. I'm talking about you need Christ. You need Christ. The best assurance we have for the future of this country, this church, anything, our families, is to get them back to the Bible. Heads bowed and eyes closed today. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them just in the quietness of this moment.
How many would say, Pastor King, I do care about my family, my loved ones, my offspring, this church, our nation. And I'm pretty burdened about the direction it's going, and we're sure not winning the culture wars. We're not winning the religious battle. We're not, if anything, churches are languishing and shrinking, shriveling, and shirking from the battle, and we need to stride forth with the hope and the message and the love of Christ, or we're doomed. God, please grant us a reprieve. God, please stave off this tide of evil. It says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against them. God, would you help that to be here? Would you help that to be here? I'm going to ask the pianist to just begin to play a song, and I'm going to ask you to quietly stand to your feet.